Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We closed last week's broadcast as we were looking at Shanti Feldon's finding that highly happy couples don't tell it like it is. She found that highly happy couples treat one another with intentional kindness. They joke and they challenge, but they try to never do it in ways their mate would perceive as disrespectful or hurtful. Ironically, some say the reason they treat their spouses more roughly than they do friends is that their marriages are safe places. But all Shanti's research indicates that rough treatment including taking advantage of where a spouse is weak, strips away the very safety they want to take advantage of. One wife relayed the following to Shanti. It is so important to not take advantage of the other's weaknesses. For example, I'm not a good fighter. In fact, I hate fighting. I hate any negative vibes and avoid it at all costs. And Darren knows it, but he doesn't mind fighting, and he's a great debater. So in a verbal disagreement, he owns me. And once or twice early on, he'd almost bully me verbally. He naturally sensed weakness and went in for the kill. Not to hurt me so much as to win the debate. I would end up crying, and he felt awful. So one day, he came over to where I was crying and hugged me and said, Never again. I will never take advantage of that again. And he hasn't. In fact, he knows I will avoid telling him why I'm mad to avoid conflict. So now he purposefully drags it out of me because he genuinely wants to improve our marriage and not make me feel that way again. Wow, if you think about it, that must take so much discipline and love to sit there and ask me to say all these negative things, and to be kind and not use my weakness against me. It is totally selfless, and it shows that he's fully vested in our marriage. That one thing, more than any other, genuinely blows me away. But how do you manage to create that kind of selfless, safe place in your marriage? A delightful couple Shanti met and interviewed on the road shares something very important. Her. Marcus always talks positively about me. It's so good to feel and know I won't get put down, even if he's lying through his teeth when he says I look beautiful in the morning. When someone speaks positively to you, it makes you more positive toward the other person. Shanti. Marcus, how can you do that every day? Surely there are days that you don't feel like it. Marcus, my first thoughts may otherwise be selfish, but I'm instructed to love her as Christ loves her. If I'm truly listening to God, regardless of the emotion I feel, I'll be all those things. Her, you do listen, and that makes me feel secure. What Shanti noticed in all her conversations with highly happy couples was that they were enjoying the very intimacy that some struggling couples thought could only come through brutal honesty. Think about it. You would never want to signal a close friend that, 
I can treat you any way I want, and you'll still be my friend. Well, why would you do that with your spouse, who is supposed to be your closest friend in the world? So give your spouse permission to kindly point out ways you might in fact be doing that, but you just hadn't seen. At the same time, find ways to show kindness regularly. Well, now we turn our attention to what Shanti calls another surprising secret of highly happy couples. Namely, that highly happy couples look higher. Or, why looking to marriage for happiness means you're looking in the wrong place. A few years ago, Shanti was interviewing young people for the publication For Parents Only. In doing so, she stumbled on something she didn't expect. The happiest kids weren't those whose parents prioritized the kids above everything else, making their whole lives revolve around them. Instead, the happiest kids seemed to be those who knew their parents loved and cared for them, but who could tell that mom and dad prioritized the family unit and their marriage even more. Even the most independent-minded teens felt more secure when they knew their parents were looking higher than at whatever their children wanted in the moment. Shanti said that secretly children were a lot happier when they knew that someone older and wiser was in charge. While doing the research we are looking at, Shanti found a fascinating parallel among the happiest couples. You might think that the happiest spouses place their marriages or each other above everything else. But, counterintuitive as it might seem, that often was not the case at all. They too looked higher, ordering their homes and relationships around a transcendent priority. And as a result, they too were more secure and happy. Although it didn't happen with everyone, more often than not, the happiest spouses mentioned that faith in God was vitally important to their marriages. Relying on Him gave them the security of knowing that someone higher than themselves was in control. Someone on whom they each could rely on for the selflessness needed to put the other person first and create a great marriage. Not only that, but the knowledge that their spouses were looking to God for fulfillment rather than to them took the pressure off trying to provide something that, in the end, only God can really provide. Many demographers and sociologists have found that those who share a belief in God and regularly worship together are statistically more likely to be happy in their marriages. Shanti found that trend in her research as well. That fact is foundational for the secret that we're going to look at now. Highly happy couples tend to put God at the center of their marriage and focus on Him, rather on their marriage or their spouse, for fulfillment and happiness. According to University of Virginia sociologist professor and director of the National Marriage Project, Dr. Brad Wilcox, couples in which both partners agree that God is at the center of our marriage are twice as likely to report that they are very happy than those who do not agree. Many other studies have found similar trends. Shanti's research found that centering a marriage on God first and foremost is clearly one huge success factor for a happy marriage. 
And one habit that sets many highly happy couples apart is not looking to their spouses as their primary source of happiness. Instead, they look higher. So, let's look at how this habit plays out in the lives of highly happy couples. What looking higher looks like. Number one, they worship together. Overwhelmingly, those highly happy couples who brought up reliance on God said they attended church together. Instead of a belief in God being the key factor, the commitment to do something about it, starting with going to church together, seems to be the key component in a happy marriage. Now wait, you may say. I've heard that going to church doesn't change the chance of marriage success. I've heard that the marriages of churchgoers succeed or fail at the same rate as non-churchgoers. Well, Shanti's research shows that isn't true. Her research shows that although there are certainly exceptions, the more committed individuals are to their faith and to worshiping together regularly, the more likely they are to have a marriage that lasts and to be happy in that marriage. According to Shanti, the notion that that isn't the case is based on a misunderstanding of Barna Group studies from the last few decades. Studies that analyze the rate of marriage survival or divorce based on religious beliefs rather than actions like church attendance. In writing her book, The Good News About Marriage, Shanti partnered with the Barna Group to do a new analysis of their data that included church attendance. She found that the marriages of those who attend church weekly are far more likely to survive. Their divorce rate drops by at least 27% compared to those who do not. Other in-depth studies have found an average drop of around 50%. Number two, they are plugged into a faith community. As noted in previous broadcasts, one very clear habit of highly happy couples was a mutual friendship with other positive, supportive couples, including mentors. So it makes sense that church-going, highly happy couples were highly likely to mention the need not just to go to church, but also to be plugged in and active in their faith community. These couples mentioned being in home groups together, doing group Bible studies, engaging in service projects together, and so on all of which are venues that provide opportunities to befriend, get support from, and share life with others. Number three, they share key values. Although Shanti spoke to some highly happy couples where the two partners identified with two different faiths, she found that to be a less common situation. One of the reasons that many committed church-going, highly happy couples were happy is that both spouses were trying to adhere to a higher, external standard that they both agreed on, and thus they weren't as likely to have a severe clash of values about important life topics such as parenting, sex, and money. Now that's not to say they didn't have those clashes at all, or that they always agreed. Well, our time is gone for today. I want to invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, 
you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, click on the Mum Live tab, and view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.